I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. We're going on a little ride here. The first stop, the Bill of Rights of the Constitution of the United States, specifically Amendment Number 6. I don't know, this isn't AP whatever class. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry, where we occasionally look, occasionally, all right, I don't want to bore you, but occasionally we will look back to historical documents to uh, set the stage for topics of the day, timely, timely events, like what's happening around the world today, specifically in the justice system. So, back to the Bill of Rights, Sixth Amendment. It reads, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and the cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel in his defense. Okay. The real important part I wanted to share with you is in the beginning, that the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crimes shall have been committed. Now, why do I bring that up? A few months back, we had a conversation with uh, a legal mind and someone positioned to be involved in these types of things as the process was being formulated to facilitate the execution of justice system events via video conferencing, via Zoom or whatever uh, be the appropriate method or the feasible method. And we have seen on television many, many instances of this transpire. We have seen court proceedings. We've seen uh, depositions. We've seen uh, various uh, bail hearings. We have seen in the case of uh, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow, we have seen uh, bail hearings between uh, counsel and the judge and the defendants. And it's been, in my estimation, pretty fascinating. I think it gives us a a unique and new look into how these proceedings transpire. And I think it's an interesting use of technology and all that. And I think that it is uh, is good that we are finding ways uh, to let justice be carried out. But there may be some shortcomings. In fact, I am certain that there are some shortcomings. And I think that at some point those shortcomings may call upon the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution and ask the question, is justice really being served? Are defendants in various criminal proceedings, are they actually able to secure justice or enjoy justice? 
if, as is the case in many states across this country, jury trials are on hold indefinitely. Yeah, that's right. Jury trials, you know, the kind you see on TV. <laughs> yeah, where uh, 12 men and women collect together, peers of the accused, gather together to judge and ultimately hand down a verdict. Those aren't happening right now. And those charged with every, <clears throat> with every crime are entitled to trials just like that. And so what happens, <clears throat> what happens if I am someone who uh, commits a crime, I am arrested for that crime, charges are filed against me, uh, I don't believe, uh, I, 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 I don't believe I committed this crime. I'm suspected of having committed a crime, but I, I declare myself to be not guilty of the charges against me. In fact, I'm so confident uh, that I can convince a jury of my peers of that fact. I don't want just a, a bench trial. I want, I want jurors called. I want them summoned here. I want those accusing me to look me in the face and tell me of what they are accusing. Well, none of that's really possible right now. None of it's really possible at all. Uh, and so the question is, getting back to the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution, if jury trials are indefinitely postponed, at what stage do they violate the right to a speedy and public trial? Now, speedy, of course, as all uh, vagaries are in U.S. statute or in the Bill of Rights or anywhere else in the Constitution – have been litigated and scrutinized, and so there are parameters to define speedy, and they vary from place to place. But there are still those areas of uncertainty. How about this? Let's say I agree. Let's say I uh, I say I would like I would like uh, to to face a jury, and the attorneys representing me they go to the prosecutors and say uh, we're up for it. We'll do video. We can do Zoom. We'll do a Zoom jury. <clears throat> in Texas, they've given it a shot. Here in Utah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Prosecutor says, okay, all right, we're doing it. We're, do, we're doing video jury. The judge gets involved. He says, okay, yeah, fine. That's, that's no problem. We're doing it. All parties involved are in agreement. The sign here, all is well. The trial takes place. They're uh, just like you see on TV. You know, the attorneys uh, ask questions of witnesses, and uh, there are presentations made to the jury. The jury deliberates. However, they may do that with Zoom. Uh, The jury deliberates. They ultimately hand down a verdict, and then, and then, sometime later, that verdict is challenged. On what grounds? On the grounds that. This speedy trial by this impartial jury should be invalidated because it wasn't face-to-face and that the defendant didn't have the opportunity to, quote, be confronted with the witnesses against him. What happens if we start collecting and racking up verdicts like that and then there's a challenge in the Supreme Court? Do those all get invalidated? I don't know. I don't know. Producer Amy and I are working on this, and we will be, over the course of the next few days, learning much more about what's happening here in Utah and elsewhere on this front, because it is important, and it will have ramifications that reach far into the future.
We, uh, later this week, will be speaking uh, with legal experts who can weigh in and share exactly what storm might be a brewing due to these circumstances. Because we don't have this video stuff quite figured out. We don't have it exactly figured out. In fact, uh, in, the, in the Supreme Court, you know, they're, they're kind of new to this. And, you know, not to be stereotypical, but uh, most of the justices may not be of an age where they can navigate the goings-on of their computer without asking their grandkids to come help. <laughs> We've heard during deliberations the sound of dishes in the background. Thank you. Thank you very much. Toledo? That's nothing. We also have heard a toilet flush. And what the FCC has said is that when the subject matter of the call ranges to the topic, then the call is transformed. You hear that? That was a toilet flush during Supreme Court deliberations. <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> it's the only reason I shared it with you. It brings nothing to the conversation. It does nothing to further the point. It does nothing to shed light on this big question as to whether or not video conferencing and using Zoom or some other uh, video technology to to bring and assemble a jury. It has, it's just funny. And it will forever be a part of uh, the record there. So what do you think? Would you be comfortable? Would you be comfortable if you were to be accused of a crime uh, and you, after making your plea, you decided to face a jury and you, at the end of that, discovered that your only option for a jury was to gather up behind a computer screen and see uh, some far off remote individuals and little squares on the TV there? Would that satisfy you? Would you feel as if your constitutional rights uh, were being upheld? Or would you prefer something else? Five seven five zero zero. That is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. This question fascinates me. I, I don't know what I would do. I probably would be of the mind to wait for a day where I could, in fact, face my accuser and interact uh, with a jury face to face. There's so much about body language and nuance that is important and that is only available when you're face to face.